All right, Megan. So this week we have Chris Chavez on. I think that like, you know, I'm not a huge track person. So all my news, everything that I get uh, is usually from Sidious Mag. And so I probably knew Sidious Mag before I knew who Chris was. But then somebody's like, no, this dude used to work for ESPN. And now he has uh, Sidious Mag and he knows all the track people and Malcolm Gladwell and all that. So I started following. This has got to be like, I mean, three, four years ago. How long have you been around, Chris? <laughs> How long have you been around? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no, thanks for having me. Uh, Sidious has celebrated its sixth birthday, I think, back in like February. And um, But it is it is pretty cool because I guess really I say it started six years ago when I just basically started this as like a fun blog to geek out on track and field. But really, it's taken off, I think, within the last two years because I've made it my full-time job. And so now kind of dedicating, you know, round the clock, uh, coverage of, of track and field, uh, has kind of, you know, led to bigger content output, which I'm sure you guys are totally familiar with, with your own media company. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of started to spring onto more people's radars within the last two years, but it's been, it, we're having a lot of fun along the way. It's, it is funny. Our stories sound very similar. So, I love starting with like your running journey, but since we're talking about Sidious Mag, let's kind of start there. So six years ago, what does Sidious Mag look like? What are you doing? Yeah. So the entire time, I guess at the beginning of Sidious Mag, I was working at Sports Illustrated. I was, um, you know, a writer there and then, you know, later shifted to more of an editor role, kind of quarterbacking our breaking news team across all different sports. So, you know, basically I was in charge of like, if, you know, for example, Tom Brady breaks his leg in the middle of a game or something like that, it would be on me to assign a writer to it and be like, Hey, get me a story on this in like 10 minutes and like really fast paced stuff. And, uh, but when I started there, it was more sort of uh, I was one of those writers, per, you know, pumping out breaking news stories left and right. And at the same time, I was doing my own sort of track and field coverage. I knew that Sports Illustrated had a rich history of covering the Olympics and like, you know, the magazine covers and all that stuff going back to it's really how I started kind of really following the sport was educating myself by reading old Sports Illustrated stories and that was a big part of why I was there. And so in my career path, I spent a lot of time kind of building myself up as, you know, a bit of like the track reporter guy, you know, who talked to the athletes and the coaches and the agents and, you know, really, you know, tried to carve that niche out for myself. And, you know, it required, you know, going to a lot of small track meets in, in, all throughout the year and on years where there wasn't a world championship or an Olympics. And, I think what I learned was that at Sports Illustrated, you know, they go all in on covering track the year of the Olympics. But then afterwards, like there is kind of like, you know, massive, you know, come down from that and it won't get as much of a shine in the years in between. And then maybe the next year, next year before the Olympics is kind of when it starts to ramp up again. And for me, I just needed that outlet to kind of continue to geek out and cover the track meets year round. And so I wasn't going to bug my editors anymore at SI with like, hey, here's a, you know, (laughs) 1000 word recap on what happened at the Stanford relays or whatever it might be. And so I just kind of started building that out for myself with some friends and like, at the very beginning, it was a blog with, you know, just a bunch of uh, relatable running content as well, just sort of for like the everyday runner just kind of thing. And what I was hoping to create was a little bit of like a mix of, 
you know, the ringers, uh, commentary and like, you know, voice that they have across, you know, sports and pop culture, but bring that to, to running a bit where yes, you can be analytical, but at the same time you could be funny. And so, you know, for, from 2017 in February, when that started all the way through 2021 ish, it was really kind of a side project for me where, uh, I, you know, was just using it as another outlet for me to continue to geek out on track. And then eventually I did come to an agreement with my bosses at SI. Once it did start to take off a little bit, they're like, what is this thing you've got going on? And I was like, well, you know, it's a blog with me and my friends and we just use it to geek out on running. And uh, so then it was just sort of the agreement was if there was a breaking news story or a feature, it would have to go to SI. I would never use SI to get access to things that I would then do for Sidious. And so, you know, it, it all worked out in a sense where I was kind of, you know, double dipping and, and it was good because I got to build out sort of my next career move while I was still at SI. Yeah. So I got it wrong in the beginning. It wasn't ESPN. It was Sports Illustrated, just to clarify. But it, well, it, I was at ESPN for a little bit. I did an internship there, yeah, okay. back in 2014. And so I've done some work with them for sure. Yeah. All right. But so in coming to this, so like, like I said, I would come, you've become sort of like if I want to, if I know that something's going on, on track and I want to pay attention to it. I pretty much Sidious Mag on Instagram is my my feed for that. The it used to be I used to love uh, Flow Track, and they used to do the like the the final kick or whatever it was. And they used to have a lot of fun, and I just feel like they stopped. <laughs> and I feel like again, Sidious Mag took that spot of kind of bringing personality to to track, which is I think the toughest thing. As a person who got into running later and didn't do track, I, I don't come from a track background, the lifespan and the time that someone's like eligible for track meets and, and being a pro athlete is really short. But you've been able to create like a way to get to know these personalities and make it more personable and, and fun to follow. Um, is that like when you talk about the ringers and stuff like that, is the relationships with the actual athletes what you think makes a difference yeah and it's really funny that you bring up uh kind of the old school flow track days because that's where i got my start really with covering track and field was it was a cold email to ryan fenton at flow track in 2012 when i stayed in on a friday night and and just stumbled upon a track meet like that's how it all kind of started was like i in high school i ran track i was nothing special i didn't really expect to keep running beyond you know my high school career i was a sprinter didn't even think of running distance and and you know what i noticed at flow track at the time was that yeah they had a lot of personality driven uh coverage where ryan fenton and alex lore were always recapping you know what was going on every single week in these short funny videos and um in a in a sense like yeah the, to your point they've gotten away from it a little bit and it was always something that I enjoyed doing. It, I was there from 2012 to 2014, and you know things change and company priorities shift. But it's kind of funny because you know Kyle Merber, who's my right hand man and everything that we do at Sidious Mag, and I have sort of you know in a way brought back what that was for us when we were you know becoming track and field fans and really coming up in the sport to this current generation. And I would say like, yeah, I mean the relationships with the athletes is definitely something that um, is a little bit different, sort of in a way where, you know, I think like 
the biggest the biggest criticism that Sidious Mag gets is that you know we're super friendly with with the athletes and that we're, we're kind of we're, we're we're buddies with them and it's true. Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing because I think when I left SI, we shifted more towards you know all right we're going to take more of sort of that ringer approach. I think we draw a lot of comparisons to the way we operate to John Boy Media, which is a media company that started from Yankee fans in New York City who are diehard. And basically what they do is the way they cover the sport of baseball is through the lens and voice of of a baseball fan. And that's, I think, what we do with track. And it's very similar how we kind of like mirror um, our coverage of the sport. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool because I think what are, what we are hoping to do is kind of fill those gaps where to showcase these athletes who you'll see run maybe only for 10 or 20 seconds on the track. Sometimes we want to lend more to their story. And so that's creating opportunities in the before and after, um, to share what it takes to be, you know, this good at this level. And at the same time, just kind of the trials and tribulations that that come with trying to stay on top, and so you don't. It, the The hardest part with track is that when you're watching one of these broadcasts, it just jumps from event to event to event. It's not like a marathon where you can really drag along a story over the course of two hours. With track, you get maybe you know ten minutes max per event, and you move on to the next thing. And it's just not enough time to really dive into some of these athlete stories. And so what we're kind of doing is through podcasts, newsletters, um, articles on our website, or whatever it might be, even through social media, is kind of enhance that experience and make it easier for people to, one, relate to these athletes, follow along, and just kind of know what know what's going on. I, I think it's interesting. There's two parts to this that you just brought up. One for me is the relationship with the athletes. Uh, you know, sometimes we get criticism for our relationships with brands because obviously we're reviewing brands and we give our honest opinions on on the product. And I can understand where some people can see it's muddy, but we we made an arrangement with the brands that, you know, if we don't like a product, we're going to still <laughs> hammer it. So, it, you know, right. it, it, I can see that where that can get cloudy. I don't necessarily see you guys being chummy with the athletes. I don't think it, it creates a conflict of interest. I mean, the performance is a performance. They're either going to, you know, run a fast 1500 or they're not. I also think that there are people who are out there, the let's run.com, like who belong in the same exact space to ask sort of the hard hitting questions. And, you know, the more traditional sort of journalists, it's like we're all sort of in the same space. I think that there's room for everyone to, to do what they do well. And, you know, it's, you know, they can ask the hard hitting doping questions and, you know, we'll keep it a bit more positive and, and more of a fun approach at the same time. Like it's not that we're going to shy away from those stories. If some world record holder is facing a suspension. Yeah. It's a news post on the Instagram. It's a news story on our website. Um, but it's not necessarily, I think the thing that we're going to dwell the longest yeah. on, I think, um, we'll focus on sort of like the aftermath and what happens after that. Like, all right. So now that that person has gone, who's the favorite for this gold medal or whatever it might be. So that, that is the second question I had. Like, um, when you're watching a track event and they are so short and they jump from spot to spot, it's really tough for someone who doesn't come from a track background to sometimes follow. Like when I went to Worlds, they were doing high jump at the same time that they're doing, you know, steeplechase and like the and the long jump is going on over here. It, like it, I felt like my ADHD was going nuts 
plus the little truck that was driving back and forth to bring the <laughs> shot put to people. That was, yeah. that was my favorite. Um, like how do you, how do you break it down for people to understand the sport who maybe didn't grow up in it or aren't avid followers? Yeah, it's, it's a lot to try and take in sometimes. And like, you know, it, the hardest part is that, you know, your attention is pulled in so many different directions. And I think like the, the, that, that kind of goes to the product too, that where it's like, if you look at the way an NBA game was presented 40 years ago, it's not the same as if you turned it on TV now. And track is one of those sports that just kind of hasn't evolved in, in that sense. It's the same sort of four hour long, in a sense, yeah. a marathon of just kind of paying attention to everything that's ha taking place. And so what we've seen sort of in, in recent years, for sure, is like more of these grassroots pop up events where and the brands are starting to get behind that as well, where it's a bit more concise and like, all right, tonight, it's going to be all about, you know, two stacked mile races, and maybe there's a community mile to engage you know, people in that sense. And I kind of like that model for sure. Um, you know, a traditional big stage track meet like a world championships or a U.S. championships, that's fun because, you know, the stakes are really high, but it is hard to pay attention to a lot of different things. And I think like sometimes, you know, the broadcast tries its best to shed a light on, you know, the, the big important things, but they're going to, you know, miss things from time to time it's like you're gonna have to cut away to the long jump yeah. in the middle of the steeple chase in order <laughs> yeah. to show this big moment and like it, it you know it drives the diehards crazy for sure because they want to see every single second of every single race but yeah i mean that's one of the challenges and some you know some of the streaming companies do just a totally alternate feed for just the long jump or just the pole vault and that works but you know again sort of like that there's just so many menu items to choose from. And, and I think what I would recommend is for people to start with picking their favorites, say, Hey, I'm going to be a huge 1500 meter or 800 meter fan. And I'm going to watch that. And the races beforehand are the appetizer. And what comes afterwards is the dessert. And so that's kind of like, you know, really dig into one event, study it up, pick your favorites. I, I always tell people, pick a team, like, all of a sudden you could be an on athletics or Bowerman track club fan. And like, now you've got, oh, you know, a dog in the fight basically to, to really root for. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, there, there, there could be a how to guide on how to become a track fan. And, you know, maybe that's something that we could, you know, write. Someday. Yeah, that'd be good. I do. I like the idea of the team uh, yeah. stuff, but it's weird. Cause now it's all brand driven. It's not, I mean, I yeah. think, you know, even though I guess, you're starting to see kind of a sidetrack of it with like um, the Tin Men and who was um, Team Boss, yep. stuff like that, where mm -hmm. you kind of associate different athletes with with a training group. What, um, like, did something happen or was it like a slow build to when you're like, I'm going to go all in on Sidious Mag? Yeah. Uh, so 2021, basically, you know, a dream came true for me in 2016 covering the Rio Olympics. And like, you know, that was what I'd been working really hard towards from 2012. I was like, all right, I want to do that. And I never really expected that I would do it at, at Sports Illustrated. And that was cool because I was part of like this very traditional sort of 
journalism legacy of like the SI Olympic team and like it, it was a cool thing to be part of and I, I looked forward to doing it in 2020 uh, 2020 and then pandemic sidetracks things and it's 2021 and gets delayed and then we really have to like cut down on the number of people that we sent and so I think Sports Illustrated only ended up sending four people and I missed the cut mm. and it was heartbreaking for sure um but instead, you know, I kind of made the most of it where, you know, at that point I was like, all right, I'm going to cover the Olympics remotely as as well as I can. And, you know, that was through flash quotes and online portals and all that stuff where you could get interviews. And so I was going to do my job as best as I could from being in the United States and watching everything remote. And at the same time, like Sidious was starting to pick up for sure in 2021, like Kyle Merber and I did a couple broadcasts together and people really seemed to like our chemistry. And we were starting to put our heads together as to like, all right, what could we do to really kind of improve, you know, track and fields coverage. And for me, I was bringing sort of the media background and Kyle was bringing the athlete perspective. He had now just sort of retired and started a newsletter that was picking up steam and, um, it's sort of like our chemistry really worked together. And so, you know, towards the end of 2021, I started to think, all right, 2022 with the world championships on home soil, like that's going to be a big pivotal moment for the United States and, and its mission to grow track and field in America. And it could be a big moment for Sidious if we really kind of lean into it, because at the same time at SI, when I was juggling sort of manning a breaking news team constantly, I would always sort of have these thoughts every now and then where it's like, what if I did have just sort of my eight hours in a day to devote solely to following and covering track and field? Like, what could the output be with that? And so that's sort of like towards the end of 2021, I started to think more about it and secured, you know, some funding to be able to do it um, with, you know, a very small team. And 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 behind the scenes of Sidious is very funny because it's like it's still very small. <laughs> I mean, to the to the outside looking in, people may be following sort of on on Instagram thinking it's like, oh man, like who's making this graphic and like who's doing this video, who's editing the podcast. And at the same time, it's still me behind the scenes, like doing a lot of that stuff. And so, um, yeah, I mean, we're sort of in that growing phase for sure where, you know, we're, I'm two years into this. It was a, a little bit of an awakening, you know, just sort of opening my laptop in January, 2022 <laughs> and being like, all right, it's time to get to work. And it's, it's my full-time job now, but at the same time, like operating the business side of things and sitting through these sponsorship calls of the brands and stuff. And so, you know, in that sense, like I was thrust into like this CEO role and, um, you know, last year was a lot of learning. I think this year we're really digging our heels into like, all right, we know what we did really well last year. Let's double down, do it again this year. And at the same time, like, we know our worth now. And so, um, it's been, it's been good, but a lot of learning for sure in the first two years of doing this full time. It's funny for those of you who aren't watching the video, Megan's face is just lighting up with a giant <laughs> smile because everything you're saying is, uh, Meg, how, how's that feeling to you? It's very, very relatable. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. I have several questions from that. One, how did you meet Kyle? Yeah. So Kyle was one of the first athletes that I covered back in 2012. I think like, uh, he was running at, I believe he had just like done his grad year at Texas or something like that. And really, you know, both of us being from New York, uh, we hit it off and, and, 
Uh, over the years, I think when I went to Europe for the first time to cover the European track and field circuit out there, he was one of the athletes that I was constantly around. And it's really cool, I guess, for, you know, not a ton of people get to experience this, but in the summer when all the American track athletes go out to Europe to go and chase fast times and go out there and train and bop around from, you know, country to country every two or three days, like I, you know, Flow Track gave me this opportunity in 20, 2013 to go out there and basically live out of a suitcase case for a whole month to do to cover the athletes out there Kyle was one of the athletes that I covered out there and you know it I slept on the floor of his flat in Belgium or something like that at some point and so uh yeah it was so over the years we'd gotten close and so um yeah no it's uh it's kind of crazy to think that it's it's been a 10-year friendship that has now kind of blossomed into you know this business relationship but at the same time it's like we always kind of joke to ourselves that it's like uh we would be doing this if if we weren't getting paid just sort of just because you know we really do love the sport that much and it's funny because like most of the times it's like our conversation it's like uh revolves around breaking down a race or whatever it might be even when it's like there's no tvs or cameras or microphones around <laughs> that's the same thing like we'll get like i'll be with like either robbie or megan or something and half the time we're talking about gear and shoes like like she went on a run in a shoe yeah. that isn't available yet and i'm like okay what what does it remind you of and you know we sit there and talk about so i totally get the like you're doing this because uh you love it it's a perk that you get the opportunity to to make a living out of it totally yeah i mean there's sometimes those opportunities where it's like you know we'll be you know, working with a brand and they're like, we want to bring you out to this event or that. And it's like, well, we were planning on going anyway, but it's <laughs> nice, I guess, now that like we've got our flight or a hotel covered. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, how many are full time at Cities Mag now? Is it you and? Yeah. So it's me, Kyle and Mac. I think for me, really, that was a turning point in 2020 when it, you know, the pandemic took place and, and everyone's working from home, like the office shut down and then all of a sudden it was easy for me to just have, you know, my Sidious Mag laptop open and my Sports Illustrated laptop <laughs> open. And, uh, you know, that kind of led to, you know, a bit more of content output. So, yeah, I mean, like, it's still, there's three of us full time and then a bunch of other people on, on you know, one year, two year contracts. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. But I think, like, the biggest thing is sort of, you know, learning to delegate a lot of those responsibilities. It's like, there's times when I'm like, I, I don't want to like, I, you know, we, we're working with someone to make graphics now, but I'm so used to, you know, being, doing it my way and all that stuff. But it's like, you got to let go of that stuff now. And so, you know, I think like for, for us, the challenge is going to be too, for sure. It's like tapping into new talent is constantly one of the biggest things that we want to try and, you know, look for. It's like, who's a good you know, match to be part of our team who offers something that's totally different. And that's constantly what we're trying to do when we look for, you know, new people to contract, to be our European correspondent, to hit the diamond leagues or anything like that. And so, um, it's, it's always cool to, to be on that side of things and, and, and see, all right, who's the fresh blood that's going to be, you know, part of the Sidious Mag team. Yeah, that's a, always a challenge. I do have, like, Meg said at the beginning, we weren't going to put you on the hot seat, but I think I'm going to put you on the hot seat. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> the women's uh, record was just shattered by seven seconds for the mile. That seems, in, like, yeah. I don't, like, again, I'm going to disqualify myself from being any kind of track expert. <laughs> that seems incredibly dramatic. 
Yeah, no, it was it was wild. But I think like, you know, I think the over the last couple of years, for sure, there's been a dark cloud hanging over, you know, records sometimes when, you know, people are taking down things that were set in the 90s and 80s. And I think one of the biggest things, too, that kind of puts that skepticism aside for me is just seeing like the competitors you know, afterwards, being super happy and receptive to it. If it was someone that you had, you know, your doubts about, then like we wouldn't see the whole entire field just kind of lifting up, you know, Faith Kipiegon into their arms and celebrating with that with her. And so it's like that's that's one side of things. Um, you know, I did get to go to Kenya uh, last month, and you know, I got to see you know, Faith Kipiegon in a workout and then in a long run. And that was super cool and special. So it's sort of like I got to witness the hard work being done as well. And then you just also have to factor in all of the technological advances that we've See, done, whether that. it's like the spikes and the track. Yeah, I get I get yeah. that. With Maybe I don't understand track enough, but the um, like I get it with the marathon. Like if you give me like yeah. they were running in flats basically before and now they have spongy shoes that have a little more balance to it and your legs feel fr- fresher towards the end. But I would figure that in a four minute race, you know, yeah. to take seven seconds off, that's like a Herculean uh, in that feat. Yeah. Well, the other thing too is sort of like I don't think it has been explored as much because they're not, I guess, publicly available yet, is like the spikes that I think she's wearing are still like, you know, in somewhat of a prototype phase where like, yes, the dragonfly is what, you know, all the data is out there about. But I think these are like the dragonfly twos or whatever it might be. And so like, they definitely look different than, you know, what's on everyone else's feet. Um, I think we're seeing, I think, Jakob Bingham-Britson from Norway, the 1500 meter Olympic champ, like he's also wearing them. And so, you know, I think we're, Maybe on the precipice of another one of those technological advances where Nike is going to be ahead again right. for for a bit. Um, so I, I yeah, I mean that's maybe the side that you guys are pretty uh, maybe more versed in for sure, and, and and just kind of unpacking. It's like all right, well, it looks like these spikes are you know there's more you know pop to them and and whatever it might be. So you 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 mentioned Jacob there. Do you have any tattoos? I do, yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got a couple. Okay, tattoos. so you're not adverse to him. If you had to pick one of his tattoos to get put onto <laughs> your body, which one would it be? Oh man, see, I, I, I don't. I, I'm not even sure which. Like, if there's one that sticks out to me, he's just got like 50 small ones, <laughs> and like the funny. I, I mean. Here's the thing, like, and I would do it for content for sure. I would go to a tattoo parlor and get a tattoo with Jakob Bingabritsen. That would like, be if amazing they, if that ever was an opportunity that presented to me. Oh, a hundred percent. I would, I would let him do, give me a stick and poke if that was uh, whatever it would be. Okay, you heard um, it here first. But <laughs> we're gonna see this on Sidious Mag. This actually, this would be amazing, and like, you end up getting a uh, full body tattoo with all the different track athletes. Oh my gosh! Yeah, no, it would be it would be something. But I, you know, it was funny because I think our Europe correspondent David McCarthy was at one of the races uh, with him this this summer, and like he was just about. To, I think he ran out of time, and like you know, the press office officer like ushered Jakob away. But he was going to ask him about the tattoos and sort of like, is it true? Because I've heard this rumor, and I don't know if it's true at all that like after every race that he wins, he get he adds another tattoo. But it's like, I feel like you would run out of real estate yeah. at some point when you're that good. Yeah, but I love it because that's his marathon medal. You know, like, <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. It's his memory. He's going to have that around for a while. But yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Now, you recently got married. No, I got engaged in, in oh, uh, engaged. Yeah. In April. Jumping yeah. I'm jumping there. the gun a little bit. Okay. How's she feel about tattoos? Like if you end up doing this, is she gonna <laughs> put a stop to it or oh, she's good with it? See, I, I yeah, I mean, well it depends on what Jakob ends up picking, like, right? Like I think that would uh but uh no, she she'd be totally fine with it. Um but yeah, no, it can't be obviously not a face tattoo, uh, <laughs> or anything like that. Um but yeah, no, I I, I it would I haven't gotten Sidious tattooed on me, but it's kind of like floated around there as like an idea. You know, it'd be it'd be cool. Instead, what I did was I named the website Sidious because, uh, well, so it's Latin for faster. faster. Yeah. Um, I thought it was going to be a magazine when I first started. It has never been a magazine. I think at this point, if someone new came and stumbled across the Instagram and then you went on our website, they would think like, oh, it maybe used to be a magazine and now it's shifted to just online. So I like that part of like the lore to it now. But um, yeah, there's never been a magazine. But Matthew Centrowitz, you know, the Olympic champion in uh, the 1500 meters from 2016 has Sidious tattooed on his yeah. uh, shoulder. And, you know, it's funny, he had it first, but I always thought that it, that was nice, free advertising real estate for us. Yeah, we are... Uh, running group, the Faster Bastards, has been around for now almost eleven years, and our our motto was Sidious wow. Ot Mori, or I can't even say it. I don't know Latin that well, but it's, it's <laughs> get faster or die. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm just dying, so <laughs> it's working out. I love it. Uh, yeah, and then yeah, there was one other like I, I noticed that there's a Sidious running group in in Boulder, Colorado. Are you are you gonna slap them with yeah. a, a restraining order? <laughs> No, it's funny because like, you know, I, I I was in Boulder not too long ago. I think they're, they might be in Denver, but, uh, I've never had the chance to kind of like go on a run with them. But, uh, no, I think it's really cool. There's also, I think like a track meet. We recently got a DM from some athlete that was just like, Hey, I'm trying to get into your track meet on this, the, this day. And we're like, sorry, it's like the Sidious meet meeting. I think it's in like Switzerland or something like that. We have nothing to do with. So, uh, yeah, it's funny cause it's, uh, the word is out there. It can't just be ever just be Sidious. I think the IOC owns that, you yeah. know, through the you know the Olympic motto and all that stuff. So um, yeah, we've always uh, it's at least now it's too late to shift into anything else. I think we're yeah we're Sidious Mag forever. Yeah. No, I think that's good. Now you recently did a rebranding and uh, you know mm-hmm. pretty much relaunched. Is that all because you're now full time? Is that kind of like the hey, this is a serious serious affair now? Yeah. So there's that component to it too, for sure. Um, I also, you know, I think one of the big things for us is like, you know, and you guys also get this too, where it's like, you never want to live on just one platform. And as we're talking on the day that like Twitter's supposed to rebrand into X or whatever it might be. And like, there's just so many different changes that like can sometimes take place. And like, especially in like the creator economy that like, you never want to just go all in on one place and you know some people can build up a massive following on tiktok or instagram and then suddenly something happens to the algorithm or whatever it is and boom like all of a sudden like it's tough uh so for us like yeah we decided i think last toward the end of last year that we wanted kind of one a fresh rebrand to really kind of you know signal we're here we're here to stay this is a, a new look for us a new era 
Um, and I think the biggest thing was last year's world championships were a big moment for us where we started hosting like a daily talk show and we're going to do it again this year, uh, from Budapest with like some of the biggest names in the sport. We had Shelly Ann Fraser Price, uh, Michael Johnson, Malcolm Gladwell, all sitting down with us for basically like this show that would run in between the morning and the evening sessions. And we would notice that, you know, we were trying to grow for sure our YouTube, you know, following and community on there. And when we would have someone like Shelly Ann Fraser Price on, the numbers would spike because all of a sudden you have like all these Jamaican fans, you know, stumbling upon an hour long interview with the, you know, fastest woman. And then, you know, they start to get familiar. It's like they see what's on our channel. They see there's more interviews with tons of athletes. And, you know, what we noticed was like, oh, man, like, if, unless they just went to Instagram and started following us there, that if they went to SidiousMag.com, it hadn't been updated in like two weeks because, we, you know, it, yeah. I was drowning in just kind of all the content output yeah. that we were putting together during Worlds that we wanted to, you know, we that hub, that space where it's like, I need to learn more, wasn't really like kind of up to date or anything like that. And so that's when sort of consciously I was like, all right, we need a new website, um, new look to it. Just let's totally change it up. And, you know, finally retired the, you know, almost Chicago Cubs looking font that I found <laughs> in 2016 to just spell out Sidious Mag. And, um, and, you know, we worked with uh, Butter Studio out of here in, in New York, just a creative agency, and they were fantastic over the course of, like, I think it was, like, almost six months. But, like, it was a really cool process where every week we met with them to, you know, go over a different component of the website. And um, it really, you know, came to life, and, and now it's kind of like that hub where – you know, we're going to post our best videos, best articles, breakouts from Kyle's newsletter, um, and just kind of keep it fresh every day so that someone, you know, can consume something new about track and field, whether it's, you know, a video, a podcast, a newsletter, whatever it might be. And so that was kind of like a, a lot of the intent to it. And um, yeah, so now it's kind of like our hub for, for the best of. So it's interesting when we meet people out on the street, like when we interact with our community, it changes where people like have a connection point to us. So um, when someone comes up and meets you and they say, I love your, what is it? What's going to follow that right now? I think for, if it's to me, it's usually the podcast. Okay. If it's to Kyle, it's the newsletter. And then, uh, you know, I think like it, it kind of varies from, from person to person on our team, which is a, a it's a cool thing. Um, it's hard because I guess like when it's just an Instagram page that is posting sometimes just, you know, graphics of like athlete results or performances or whatever it might be that there's no personality attached to it. But again, to the point of what, what you guys do, what we do, it's like, I think that's what kind of creates that relatability from our audience to, to us is that there's a face attached to what we do. Um, and it's, it's again, like Flowtrack had that back in the day and less so now. Um, and I think it's, it's successful. I think like digital media shifting into, into that side of things where people follow certain personalities or reporters or whoever it might be, because they trust that person to give them quality news or, uh, analysis. And so for us, you know, that's people attaching themselves to, you know, with, with me, it's usually the podcast, uh, with Kyle, it's the newsletter. So, um, it's cool. It's, it's really cool to see him. We, and we love those moments. Too. You know, it's funny. We talk about like new media and you're just saying how people want to see the personality behind it, but it's not really a new thing. If you think about like 
news. So like people used to have their favorite anchors, maybe you had your favorite late night host, and it was because you went to get your news from somebody that you enjoyed uh, delivering it for you. And I think that we try to make it like this new thing, like, oh, people want to connect with it. And it's like, no, they always did. We're just kind of catching back up to the fact that you build a trusted personality and or, or something, and then people feel a connection to you. I know that when we were at the running event uh, last, uh, when was it, December? Yeah. And I saw you and Kyle. I was almost like a little bit starstruck. I was like, ah, oh, there's Chris Chavez and Kyle Merber. And I nerded out because I know that people feel the same way when, you know, people come up and, and, and meet. Are you guys, like, I love it when people come up to us and say, hey, I'm a big fan, love your stuff, whatever. Uh, are you guys, do you like that or do you, would you rather just have, like, space between you and your, your people? No, I think, I think it's great. I, I love it. I think I'm getting better at it. Sometimes it's, it, it's funny because it's like when people come up and say like, thanks for everything you do for the sport. And it's like, I'm making graphics or like <laughs> I'm making a podcast. Like I'm, it doesn't feel like all that transformative, but you know, I guess for us, like there, there have been times, you know, when I've thought about like, Oh man, it is 10 p.m. I don't want to edit this podcast or whatever it is. And this is like in those those growing stages when I was still at SI, I was like, I could just pull the plug on Sidious Mag today and that'd be it. It'd be over and I can just focus on doing, you know, my SI work. But then, you know, when you have those moments at a marathon expo or something like that and you're waiting online to pick up your bib and the person behind you says, you know, I really love that podcast you did with blah, 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 blah. And it's like, that's that's cool and it's rewarding because it's like okay that's what makes those late nights pay off and you know a lot of those sacrifices are worth it or just even knowing that sometimes it's like oh if we hadn't been at this meet then like there would have not been an interview with like Nikki Hiltz after they broke like the American record or yard like it's just sort of those type of moments where we feel the value of what we're doing makes it rewarding and so um yeah, I mean, I think I'm getting better at handling just sort of like the, hey, uh, thanks for everything you do yeah. uh, for the running community. I'm like, uh, I, I, I'm just me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is it is uh, interesting to feel like it's just you, but like literally I think there's tons of people who are geeking out on the content that you create and they don't have someone to talk to. I always think of it this way, like with the podcast, I'm just happy somebody's listening. And then you, like we talk to people and they'll be like, Every long run I do, I put that on and I realize they don't have that group of people that are nerding out about the stuff that we nerd out about. They don't have that community built in. Maybe they live in the rural area and there's not a running group for them. And so like to be able to listen to a podcast yeah. like Sidious Mag and, and have somebody who's interested in what you're interested in and talking about what you're interested in, it let, makes you feel less isolated. Yeah, and I think we've noticed that for sure, sort of like, you know, I think one of the biggest things I kind of, I always harp on it sometimes where it's like, you know, you want, it, it, when, when you start to get into it, you find something like the Milrose Games. It's a jam-packed hour of two hours of quality track and field and an awesome meet to watch. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, if it's on NBC or sometimes when these broadcasts get pushed to CNBC, it's like you'll watch the broadcast for two hours and then when it's over... It's over and like it's on to Shark Tank or, you know, whatever it might be that's on that channel. And the gap that we're trying to fill for sure is sort of like keeping that conversation going and that excitement going. And so when we're at the world championships, we want to go live basically as soon as that 
last event is over so that if you're really jacked up and and pumped about you know that world record that you just saw on that tv your next move is to head on over to the Sidious Mag YouTube channel because we're going to be going live to talk all about it. And then what we'll notice sometimes is that like the YouTube chat, which like we'll keep open for people, can sometimes just go crazy about something that we're not even talking about at all. It's like they're talking about a totally separate event. And so, you know, we've noticed that just kind of like online people will try and find other track and field fans to nerd out with and also sometimes just engage in debate and that's healthy like you want you you have that in all these other sports so we're trying to just kind of like create that for for track fans and so whether that is you know a pregame show from the Milleros games or a postgame show at the world championships we want to kind of add to just that viewer viewing experience for people you guys are really, really good at getting results out very quickly. How does that work? Like, are, is someone there snapping the photo, sending it to you, you're slapping a graphic on it, and then just posting it immediately? Yeah, so kind of that, it's something that, you know, we've kind of really nailed down and have like our little operating system with. Um, so at the U.S. Championships and World Championships, we're just very fortunate. We have really t- two talented photographers in Johnny Zhang and Justin Britton who are just very quick on the camera and like can edit it super quick. I, I believe it's either on-, on the camera itself or on their phone. And then they'll just send it to us in a Dropbox. And from there, we have this massive group chat that goes geeking out about track and field stuff 24-7 that all of our significant others probably despise and hate. <laughs> uh, that's where the photos end up. And then from there, you know, someone on the team who's kind of assigned to, hey, I'm on Instagram, hey, I'm on Twitter, will just then work it up either on their phones or on their computers and boom, it's up on Instagram or Twitter, wherever it might be within, I I like to think within five minutes of like the race being over sometimes and like. It's that that's, you know, we had some big sports marketing exec last year at the world championships tell us like, oh, like if I missed seeing a result on the board, I would just go to Instagram and just open up Sidious's Instagram channel and I would see everything was there or like explain to me like what happened. And so, yeah, it was, it was cool. And so, you know, I think that's, that's the thing that we try and, you know, think of ourselves sometimes on Instagram as like the sports center of track and field, where it's like if there's a big major story or performance, like it's going to be highlighted there. Um, and we try our best to tap into photographers who are at these events. And so, you know, that's freelance photographers or one of our staff photographers, if they're there to get a fresh photo up from that particular event. Like I think it's sometimes it just doesn't feel as cool or move the needle as much when it's like, Hey, all right, record breaking performance of this meet, but it's like, here's a photo from like three years ago and they're in a different uniform or from a different race. And so, you know, we, we try and do that to the best of our abilities as well. And, you know, it's, it's cool because, you know, I think like, like you said, I guess like for some people that is their way of like getting their track and field news. Yeah. Shout out to Justin Britton. Cause he does take some phenomenal photos. He's really got an eye. It's amazing. But is uh, that, is that yeah. process stressful? Like, are you <laughs> sitting by the computer? Like, like waiting for the photo to come in? Like we like, got to get it. this out any second. I think, I think at this point, like we trust Justin and Johnny very well like they're gonna drop some heat on us in the next like you know two minutes and then from there you know it's it's funny because at a U.S. championships or world championships I'm typically in the mix zone area waiting to interview athletes and get those you know interviews up on our YouTube channel that like 
I'm not kind of as attuned to what's happening on Instagram or Twitter as much. So, like, I have some confidence in David Melly, who helps run our social channels, um, to, you know, I think that was another key component to it, too. And it's it's hard sometimes. It's like if we put a call out like, hey, we're looking for a social media editor or something like that. It takes a certain person to really know what our voice is, especially when it comes to delivering these results. And, like, you know, it's not just... A, you know associated press type of written sentence or it's like this person won in this you know time and at this meet we try to add a little bit more voice and flair to it sometimes or it's like holy cow or just like whatever it might be using emojis sometimes to really kind of just let people know that something exciting took place and that hopefully that excitement is contagious and like or if it's someone who doesn't know what's going on, if there's this feeling of FOMO, it's like, I need to know more about like what this is all about. And so that's kind of like how we, we think about it. But yeah, I think for me now, I guess one of the cool parts is at the end of a night going on Instagram and refreshing our feed to see like what it looks like and um, or, you know, what's performing really well. I'm still sort of a geek to some of those analytics and numbers. Um and so, yeah, no, it's it's cool because, you know, when I've become a little bit more hands-off, you know, it, it it's that added sort of, like, look back at the end of a day to be like, oh, that was, that was cool. a good day. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it also adds, I would say, to your comment earlier about kind of the personality. Like, I feel like when I see a, a result post from, it feels like I didn't know it was someone else. I was just, I thought <laughs> it was you or Kyle. Um, it adds that personality. Like, I see, like, this is a human who wrote this. It's not like just data points, like the emojis and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you currently, you, you do a lot of your stuff on YouTube as far as the post athlete interviews and stuff. Is there a thoughts of how you would turn this? Like we talked about, like how the coverage on CNBC kind of ends and kind of goes to the thing. Is there tra like, would it be a goal in the future to have, Sidious Mag be almost a coverage and then post coverage and continued like space for people to to interact. Yeah. Yeah. See, I think like that comes down to sort of sometimes like, you know, building out relationships with the key stakeholders who have these rights locked up. I mean, it's it's really hard. I think that's the hardest part of our job is it would be so cool what we could do if we had rights footage to competition stuff. And I think that may be something that like maybe not as many people are as attuned to is just sort of like we have to play within, you know, certain uh, certain boundaries sometimes. And it's like it's it's hard where like, for example, like that world championship show that we did last year was fantastic when we sit down with these athletes and we help break down the races, but we can't show a single second of it. Of the race, yeah. um, it's just they're. <laughs> And it, but just think about just sort of like how much better that would be. And like, especially when we have these athletes in a really comfortable setting and, you know, no, when they know Kyle and I, they're a little bit more open and they can curse too. It's on yeah. our YouTube channel. It's fine for them to just like say, Hey, you know, I really effed up on this part of the race and, but I made it up in the second half of the race, whatever it might be. And like, watch the race uh, while they're, I think like, Exactly. And, and, you know, I think we've experimented with it a little bit. Um, and we kind of are trying to put together that proof of concept for, you know, potential conversations down the road where, you know, hey, 
if you attach our personalities and sit us down with the athletes that, you know, we've been doing this at the high school level when we work with New Balance at New Balance Nationals um, because they, New Balance, owns the rights to the competition footage that, like, they're like, you guys can get creative with this as much as you want. And so what we've been doing is we sit down with the athletes immediately after the race takes place those endorphins are going crazy. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, they're watching the race for the first time. It's fresh in their mind and they can kind of break down to us like, Hey, here's what happened. And like, this is, you know, really where I made my move, or this is when I knew I won the race, whatever it might be. And it's like, we want to eventually love to do that at, you know, the Olympic and professional level. But, you know, it's hard when, you know, a lot of those rights to things are just you know locked up into super long contracts or they're protected and um you know it's i get it you know for sure like i understand the business side of things people paid a lot of money for the rights Rights to things and they want to own it for sure but you know it's hard when it's like i think if you want to get this out to as many people as possible and you want to improve the product and the sport i think you should work with you know some other parties or media companies like us to really kind of get it out to our audiences especially when they're craving and asking for that kind of stuff well, so also like you know that's the hardest part and I, yeah. i'm not gonna go search out um you know like i'm not gonna like it, megan and i will watch and she'll be like i really want to see this track meet and, and like we'll, she'll google like who's gonna cover it or something like that and then you're like oh crap i'm gonna have to pay extra to be for this one track meet or whatever like that on a on a paper almost like pay-per-view what yeah. is it that's and then it. our subscription yeah. service. And then I'm just like, well, I'll just check out City Smag and I'll see <laughs> all this stuff. But I also feel like afterwards when you did, um, it was the, when the track at New Balance opened up, you guys were doing the p- post-race yeah. interviews around the table and you had a nice little like L-shaped table and everybody's there. And I was like, wow, see, this is fun. Like you are getting that athlete experience like – they're sitting down, they're cracking jokes, they're having some fun, they're making it not so like dry. And I feel like when you watch Yeah, and it would track, just be enhanced with yeah. fo- with footage. Yeah. And when you watch it on like a, a CNBC or something it's like and here's they're starting for the long jump. She's had some really good. She's going to try to arouse the crowd here, get them into it. And you're going to see an unorthodox takeoff from the line, but it seems to work for her. You know, and you're just like I'm going to, this is great for me to put on and fall asleep at the couch, you know, like yeah. nap time. But like, yeah, I, would, I, I think would, of it. Go ahead. Like a hockey game is constantly sort of like that announcer excitement is going from start to finish, basically horse racing and all that stuff. Like, I don't know, like if you, again, kind of like the contagious energy of just like, if you're excited about something, someone else will get excited about it too. And so. Yeah, I mean, that's that's some of the challenges for sure. And so, I mean, for us, like, ideally, yeah, it would be awesome to also, you know, be able to show some of the actual competition. But, we're, you know, at the end of the day right now, our goal is to make it easier for people to even know where to watch some of these things, too. Like, that's one of the biggest things and just sort of like, I guess, Megan, when you're lo- looking up, like, hey, I've got to find out, like, if this meet is on this streaming service or this meets on this streaming service, the biggest thing too, is that like, if it's on one, they're not going to tell you about what's on the other. And it's like, we sit in a very sort of agnostic position in a sense where it's sort of like, our goal is for people just to watch track. So it's okay if we'll tell you if it's on NBC, if it's on flow track, if it's on wherever it might be. Um, we just want people to watch. And so, uh, 
that's sort of like, you know, it's maybe it's something we'll start doing. We, I think we experimented with it on social media a little bit uh, in the wintertime when it was like just like a TV guide basically that goes out on Friday. And it's like, hey, here's what to watch this weekend and how to watch it and who's competing at what. Maybe it's interesting to you, and here's what you need. Maybe you do have to fork over five ninety nine or ten ninety nine, whatever it might be. But you know, it's up to you if, if you're interested in doing it. But here's the information, that, and just make it easier for people to be to be able to watch. Are we still paying for the streaming one that we did? Probably. That's the worst thing too. Is like you go to buy it once, and then it's the monthly thing, and then I totally forget, and I'm like, oh, we. we I forget. Were we, wa- were we watching one of the marathons? Um. Yeah. I think Berlin or something. Yeah. Yeah. And we were like, okay. Yeah. And then the, the worst, though, is when you pay YouTube. for it and then it it didn't work. Oh, it was, yeah. like, blacked out for, like, most of it. And I was like, what? After all this? Yeah. Um, I, I, I guess, like, yeah, for me, like, there's times where I just, like, I, I guess I've gotten good at figuring out VPNs and, like, yeah. all right, if I change my location to Romania, <laughs> I'll be able to watch this meet and uh, oh, wow. whatever it might be. <laughs> so our favorite distance and our favorite, obviously, is is the marathon. Like we, when I went to worlds and was able to, you know, follow, uh, the women's marathon and like run from spot to spot to like see him several times on the course. That was like the, one of the best experience I've ever had. Um, what's your favorite event in track and field? Yeah. See, I guess like it, it comes as a result of hanging out around Kyle so much, but like the 1500 meters, is just like four jam packed minutes of drama. And I think the cool part is that four minutes is snackable to the sense that like at the end of the night, you could go back and rewatch that race 10 times and watch a different person each race each time and see just where they went right or wrong in, in the race. So the 1500 meters has really grown on me. And I think you know, but the 800 also is sort of like an even shorter version of that drama. So those middle distance events, I think for sure. But I think for me last year, like the coolest moment was definitely at, you know, the world championships watching the hundred meters and like, you know, I'd been to the Olympics in 16 and saw Bolt, but this was like the like first time in a while that like I had goosebumps and like, it was just really cool when like that stadium just erupted. Yes. Like there were a lot of empty seats like throughout, you know, the week, but like for that moment it was packed and it was like just a a ton of excitement and U S swept. So that you get, get a little bit of patriotism out of your system as well. And so, um, that was particularly a really cool moment last year at the world championships. But then, yeah, again with marathons, like it's just kind of like that, that drum that is just beating. And then all of a sudden, like it's getting louder and louder and then there's a big moment. And so, um, yeah. So, I mean, like anything from 10 seconds to two hours of, of running, I'm hooked. What's been your favorite event to cover? Like, like the whole, event. Oh man. Worlds like Olympics. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's really hard to try and top 2016 Olympics. Cause that was like a dream come true for me. And, uh, you know, it was this culmination of, you know, a lot of work and what I set my mind to. And then on top of that, like it was Usain Bolt and, all this stuff. So that one was really cool. It was my first ever Olympics. I didn't get to go to Tokyo. So, you know, I don't know what that one was like. I'm really looking forward to Paris next year and hopefully getting, you know, back to, you know, full stands of fans and the stakes are high. And I love the, the drama that takes place there. Um, yeah, so it's, it's hard for me to top 2016 Olympics. But I'll tell any, you know, 
up-and-coming track fan who hasn't been to it, but the Olympic trials is just like an, another sort of great meet to attend. It's like, it probably well, if it's in Eugene, like you do have to deal with like the high flight prices and like the hotels. So you got to get, you got to act fast when you make the decision to, to attend it. But it's like, it's what all these athletes are working towards. Like on the American side of things, like they're spending, you know, four to eight or 10 years of their careers for this one race that's going to mm. determine whether or not they make it to the Olympics. And only three people <laughs> will have their dream come true. Yeah. Fourth place goes home in tears. And like, it's for some people, it's the last race of their career. For some people, it's the first race that really propels them into stardom. So I love the storylines around like an Olympic trials and like the emotions that come with it. So yeah, I mean, uh, those are always a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it, Olympic trials and, and Olympics are really hard to top. What are you most excited for? Like, what projects are coming up that you're you're excited to cover? Yeah, so we're going back. We're going to the World Championships in Budapest in a couple of weeks, and so that'll be um, a ton of fun. I just love kind of the grind of like, you know, hey, it's ten days. And we're really going to make these 10 days count. So, you know, there, you know, I think we're not going to do group runs every morning like we did last year at the <laughs> World Championships. That was just really taxing on the body. Like just from a going to sleep at like 1 or 2 a.m. from editing a podcast to then having to wake up at 6 or 7 to do a group run, I wouldn't uh, recommend that. So <laughs> this time around, I think we're going to be a little bit more uh, controlled in that sense. And so we'll do you know, a daily show on the Sidious Mag YouTube channel between the morning and evening sessions. So I think it's going to run around 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. Eastern time every day of Worlds. At the end of every night of the World Championships, we're all going to retreat back to, um, I think, wherever we're going to set up. We've got like two or three different, you know, places that we're going to be our HQ. And so we'll do a podcast at the end of each night that then hopefully gets turned around super quick and then people can consume it um, either that night or morning, whatever the time difference is uh, from Budapest to the U.S. And so, uh, and then on top of that, just being at the stadium every day, you know, getting a ton of interviews and watching these awesome races unfold. So um, World Champs is going to be going to be awesome. But at the same time, I've got to sneak in my own running. I think I'm going to try and run the New York City Marathon this fall. We'll be there. Um, and we'll see how it goes. So, Hopefully yeah, better I think than last New York. Year, uh, oh, yeah. And last year, just that heat just got to so many people. It's so brutal. it's been a brutal summer, record setting heat. Just so maybe it's uh, it'll it'll pay off this time around. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel bad. We're about to run out of time here and we didn't even talk about your running. So let's briefly chat about that. <laughs> um, okay. So training for the New York city marathon, what's, is there any other races on your calendar coming up? No. See, that's the thing. It's like, I haven't, well, actually yeah, the media 800 at the world championships, like oh. that's, uh, <laughs> that's a big deal. Um, uh, no way. You so last year, I think I was like, <laughs> last year i think i was like 35th or something like that i i want to just finish better than that but and kyle was second so i think like he's out for redemption See, to try and win it all yeah. i would just slap the Sidious logo yeah. on him and let him do it <laughs> yeah i think we're yeah, so we're working with asics during the world championships and so i think they're going to kit us out really nicely for for the whole thing nice. and uh that'll that'll be really cool um yeah their spikes and everything so 
that'll be exciting. So maybe that's, I, I, it's, it's really funny what I'm juggling right now. It's like a little bit of speed work to get ready for an 800. There's also like an all comers race at the end of the world championships. So like there's like a 10 K on the marathon course. So I might jump into that. Um, but that'll be it. I think b- between now and, and, did uh, you, New York, did you, know, you do the 5k when we run were an all out marathon in a while at worlds? Did you do the 5k in Eugene? No, I didn't do the 5K. That was so much I was fun. Pri- I was sleep deprived at that point. Yeah, yeah I, w- I wish I would have done it. That's a regret. This time around, I'll do the 10K um, that they're they're planning. I think for this. I think year. you'll dig it. So, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it it's just really cool to say that you're running on the same course yes, as like it, the the top it gives pros. You that extra yeah. little bit of adrenaline that you're like, okay, I get to see the course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so since we are big shoe nerds, we have to ask before we let you go. Okay, daily trainer and race day shoe. What are you going with? Yeah. Um, daily trainer right now, I've been doing a lot of miles in the, uh, super comp trainer from new balance. Um, and then I, I don't know, like there's just something about all the, their, their, their foam that uh, I really enjoy. So I've been also going with the, uh, SC elite three, uh, is, are they two or three? What's their most recent one? Three. I've been uh, I've been doing a lot in that. So those two have been good. I have been jump, doing a, a bit more uh, longer stuff recently in the Cloud Echo Boom Three. So I don't know. Like I'm I'm mixing things up. I'm sure you guys are the same way. Where it's like all the, uh, all the brands send you mostly super shoes, and it's like I just would love like a good pair of <laughs> trainers to just run and jog at eight minute pace or I mean but instead it's like now I'm being sent all these carbon plated shoes and I'm running seven minute pace on my easy runs as a result it just depends on when the releases are coming out that what shoes we're getting but for us it's tough because and I'm sure for you like you always want to try there's a new thing that you you know comes around that you're like I want to give this a shot so but yeah and it's been hard to pick against like the the alpha fly for for you know marathons or or those races but you know i don't know i mean i'm experimenting right now and hopefully you know pick something that'll get me under three hours in new york Mm. uh but we'll see are you running with new balance in new york no i haven't i haven't really locked down my bib yet so i still have to figure figure this out um i have to shoot an email to New York Roadrunners. They were the asking if, of his position. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, last year I did the broadcast for, for, for New York Roadrunners and, and ESPN, and so I was on the lead cart, and I think there's a chance like they might ask me to do it, but I really want to run, and I've been training, so I, I think I'm going to have to pass on any sort of TV opportunity to um, you know give this a shot. I haven't run an all-out marathon since 2019, so I'd really, oh, wow. uh, I don't know, like I want to get back to it, yeah. All right. And yeah, you- I, I, you know, I kind of relaxed a bit on my own running during the pandemic, and so you know, I've, I've, I've jumped in New York and and done it with friends the twice in the last three years, but nothing like nothing close to all out, on, you know, in my PR. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, good luck on that. Wait, so what's your PR? Three oh six from Berlin, two thousand nineteen. Okay. So I've I've done it on a flat course, but I'm really challenging myself here to try and go sub three yeah, on new york's yeah. course but i like it though. I, I don't I'm know like it. i i hope i could get close yeah we'll we'll see i mean I think the advantage i have is that i'm here and yeah. like it's it's the streets i train on but it's not going to be easy Mm-mm. the only reason i'm doing new york is or hoping to do new york is because like you know with worlds and all that stuff like it's just too much to take two weeks off and then get back into a marathon build and 
think about Berlin or Chicago. So I needed as much time as possible. I think so New York we'll is see. the toughest out of the majors. Yeah, I would agree. But also with yeah. the crowd. You guys have done all six now, right? We're missing Berlin. Yeah. But we're gonna I think we're gonna hit that next year. Oh. Oh, it's it's the best. So I've I've done all six. I've got all oh, the medals nice. right here. Yeah. Uh, six star finisher. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> six star finisher, yeah. Um it's it's funny. I think that's what they put down kinda like on the press release yeah. when they announce like, Oh, here's who's the broadcast team is for the New York City Marathon. And it's finisher. like Dina Castor, former American record holder at six star finisher. <laughs> it's like, Okay, I needed something, yeah. <laughs> I mean that's that's pretty good though. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'll okay. take it. Awesome. Um, New York okay. is two and zero on me. They, it's it's crushed me two times. Oh, yeah. I, I I'm hoping this year will be my year. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, Chris. I know we've taken up an hour of your time. Very much appreciated. It was very fun chatting with you today and learning a little bit more about Sidious Mag and yourself. And um, yeah, we'll hopefully see you in New York, if not before then, at some event. Yeah, he's probably at the Fifth Avenue Mile. Awesome. No, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Fifth that mile. I think I'll try and jump into that. And uh, there's a media heat for that too. So we'll Not see. That. We'll see yeah. how I fe- uh, how I fare in that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, Chris. <laughs>